his friends will hopefully not bore us. Welcome to the Podosaurus. That's enough time Podosaurus. Hello, good afternoon, and good evening. Welcome to a very special episode of the Podosaurus. I'm your host, Ken, and with me, we are doing a very special spoiler cast about the lovely game, Ghost of Tsushima. I have my good friend Perry here from Japan on Film Podcast. Say hello. Hey, Ken, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. It's been a while. It's been since last year. It has. <laughs> yeah, and um, I'm glad we're able to finally do I was worried that I, I wouldn't actually be able to do this with you because it, it takes me so long to, to get through games with the newborn and everything. Oh, yeah, I was going to say, how is that being a parent now? <laughs> it's It's been really good. She's actually, she's only uh, about two months old, but she's pretty much sleeping through the night. So that's, we're very, very happy about that. that that's the most thankful thing right now, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. But yeah, what? Well, before we kind of dive into this, why don't you explain who you are and and about your your other podcasts? Sure. So um, I'm Perry Constantine. Percival Constantine's my full name. Um, I'm a podcaster, author, and teacher. Originally from Chicago, but I've been living in Japan now for over ten years. And one of the things I do is, in addition to to my books, I write a lot of like pulp fiction type stuff, sci-fi, fantasy, that kind of thing. But in addition to all that, I also, in my teaching career, I teach a class in Japanese cinema. So that kind of, and when the school asked me to do it after the first year, I realized that I had so many movies that I wanted to talk about, but just not enough time in class. So I wanted to have a venue to kind of be able to discuss these movies a lot more and so that led me to create the Japan on Film podcast, which um, you've been on a few times. Um, some of your other co-hosts from Ongaku to You have also been on. And basically, we do a series of, I do about like um, two months worth of episodes per season, uh, kind of record them all in a batch. And each episode is me and a different guest coming on to talk about a different uh, Japanese movie. And that's uh, that's pretty much it. I also host uh, the Superhero Cinephiles podcast with Derek Ferguson, where we talk about, we do kind of the same thing, but focusing just with the two of us about superhero movies. So I got to ask, before we kind of get on topic here, I, I know that I've explained to you on my podcast about uh, your favorite movie, but can you explain to me your favorite movie on this podcast? As far as Japanese movies goes? Yeah, yeah, both, actually. Japanese and and Western movies. Um, Well, Japanese. when it comes to Japanese movies, I think probably Battle Royale is mm -hmm. my favorite. It's, it's one of those movies that I didn't really get the appeal when I first saw it before I came to Japan. But after coming to Japan, after living here for so long, and then re-watching it, like, I realized just what a subversive film it actually is and just, like, how much commentary it has on modern japanese society and even though it's you know what like 20 years old now or something or almost like it's still extremely extremely relevant to modern day japan yeah so that that that's my favorite japanese movie um when it comes to american movies mm, that stuff i go back and forth it, it's hard for me to usually pick one it usually kind of depends on genre but I think probably Avengers Endgame, just because I'm a huge mm. superhero fan. That was like the perfect culmination of, you know, 10 plus years of, of storytelling. 
Yeah, yeah, no, I've I've really loved Endgame as well. Have you watched Falcon and the Winter Soldier yet? I, I know it just came out. Oh on, yeah, uh, on Friday, and uh, I, oh yeah, I, I, lo- I love it. I've been really liking it. <laughs> yeah, I was all in on Wandavision. Uh, every week, like as soon as it it comes on five o'clock on Friday nights here, that's about you know midnight on the Pacific time zone. So like. Every Friday, five o'clock, I'm sitting in front of my TV, firing up uh, Disney Plus, and did the same thing. Did that every week with WandaVision, and now planning on doing it every week with Falcon and Winter Soldier. And yeah, I loved it. It was uh, such a great use of two characters in both cases that just haven't yeah. been able to get as much of a spotlight, which is understandable, just because there's so much going on in those other movies. Yeah. Yeah. No, I've been really liking just from the first episode Falcon and Winter Soldier and just like the different take that they are doing with these with these Disney Plus shows. I've loved WandaVision. The the final outfit for the Scarlet Witch looks so amazing. I've been wanting a hot toy figure of it for a while. I've been eyeing it out actually. <laughs> oh, that that outfit. Like I you know, I thought the closest thing we'd ever get to I I never thought we'd get her wearing the crown in in yeah. the in the MCU and just seeing how effortlessly they work that in and just like, what a perfect design. Like it's such a perfect merging of the, the comic sensibilities with the more, with the concerns about, you know, filming stuff in live action. So it doesn't look ridiculous. So, and they just, I mean, Marvel always seems to with like a few missteps, they've always seemed to do really well on just nailing these character designs. So it it was perfect. Yeah. Yeah. Most definitely. So now focusing on to the gaming aspect here. So I, I've never really talked to you about video games before. I, I believe you mentioned Final Fantasy VII Remake once or twice on our Final Fantasy Evan Children mm-hmm. review for your podcast. And I, I didn't really hear much about this. So I, I was really surprised when I threw that out there about Ghost of Tsushima. And you said, yeah. Mm-hmm. So well, why don't you talk about like if you have a favorite game, if it is not Ghost of Tsushima, what do you have a favorite game that you love to play or yeah well i'm you know i'm a casual gamer i'm not um uh, when i play i i play on easy mode and you know uh, i've i've got no qualms about using cheat codes or anything like that i'm very much just you know i i i play for story i play to you know relieve stress or anything i'm not really one of these like hardcore gamers who are doing like you know, ultra hard difficulty runs on, on YouTube and that kind of stuff. I mean, that's cool for those that do it, but it's just like, I just don't have the, the time or the patience to really devote to that. So I'm very much a casual gamer. Um, but for me, I think there, I don't really have like a go-to game. I like to play all the time. I mean, it kind of varies depending on my mood, but, um, I think probably final fantasy seven was just such a formative game for me, like kind of like we talked about when you were on my show. And um, I also did an episode of, I was on uh, the KMP podcast where we talked about the Final Fantasy VII remake as well. So like that is, that that's probably like my favorite game. Um, and yeah, that was just, it was just such a really formative experience for me. Oh, okay. Because you know, I, 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 play, I think I, yeah, I first played that, I think when I was in, eighth grade or something like that was when i first played it and and it just it it hit it just hit me at that right age and i just became obsessed with that game all throughout high school 
<laughs> yeah, no, no. Trust me, I I understand. One of, I think for for me, because I've I've never really did get to say this. Uh, I guess to you guys or on on the Potosaurus, my the gaming podcast that I do. One of my favorite series is probably the Metal Gear series, and then the Yakuza series or the Ryuga Gotoku series in Japanese. And th- those two yeah, series yeah. have been a really big interval in my life, so to speak. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Yeah, the um the the Yakuza series actually we uh in the upcoming season of Japan on film, we we did an episode about the the film adaptation directed by <laughs> Takashi Miike. Yeah. And Metal Gear, like I liked Metal Gear Solid a lot. That was also one of those games that I became obsessed with when I was yeah. uh when I was a teenager, but yeah. like it it seems like Kojima became in bought increasingly with each game it seems like he's bought more into his own hype and yeah, like yeah. <laughs> when i was i it took me forever to finish metal gear solid 4 because it was just like ridiculous amounts of cutscenes, and like i think i fell asleep during half of them <laughs> no i remember i remember when i bought mgs4 it was it, it was during the times when midnight releases across the entire nation was going across so 12 a.m mm. here in in hawaii <laughs> i bought the game i was the lovely age of 18 and i remember i played the first like at least the first chapter or two and then i fell mm. asleep bad because it was like 4 a.m <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> I mean that I, I I do have five, but I haven't even because I had it. I got it free through PlayStation Plus, but I just yeah. haven't. D- I haven't even bothered trying it yet, just because yeah, I know f- it's probably going to be more of the same. Five is such a a weird weird game because <laughs> they they really tried to do an open world thing and tried to do a mission based thing because. In between four and five, they they released this other game called Peace Walker, and all the portable games. And the portable games are very mission based, where you can pick a mission, do that, and then come back to it whenever you want. So five integrated that same mentality while having a sprawling open world with it. And some of the things to get the quote unquote final mission is absolutely absurd and i've really hated my time with it <laughs> that gives me that gives, that even that just pushes it down on my list of priorities <laughs> yeah so with that let's go into ghost of shishima so this was a mm-hmm. game released last year in 2020 oh boy that was a year uh, by oh, yeah. sucker punch and it was released on the playstation 4 with an upgraded version to ps5 so mm-hmm. first and foremost I gotta ask, how did you feel about the game? Did you know how did you feel about it before going in and actually finishing the game? Did you have different opinions, or was it mostly the same? Pretty much the same. I mean, I remember when they had the the announcement trailer for it. I mean, that was like in what twenty eighteen or twenty seventeen or something like that. Yeah, I believe so. Um, and when I first saw that trailer, I was just blown away by how amazing it looked. And you know, I mean. Even though I said Battle Royale is my, my favorite Japanese movie, it was Kurosawa that was my gateway into Japanese movies in the first place. So, like, I love Seven Samurai and, and Yojimbo and, and all that stuff. So, and just watching this, it was just like, it looked like a Kurosawa film in color. And so I was, 
I remember there was a period when I was like refreshing, like checking checking the news like every week to see if there was like any news on when it was coming going to be released because there was um there was a while where we didn't even know when it was going to come out or if it was going to come out. Oh yeah, there was a long time for <laughs> when it was going into development to when probably the last stretch of of announcements was happening that we did not know nothing about this game. Yeah. And it was it was and I was worried it was going to become like a Final Fantasy 7 remake situation where we waited like what like 5 years for that game to come out after the announcement. Yeah. And I thought I was worried it was going to be something similar. Fortunately, we I mean only had to wait like 2 or 3 years, but it was it was still a it was still a it, but it was a wait that was well deserved. I'll say that. Like yes. when I when it came out, I actually didn't have a chance to buy it at that time just because of you know, financial concerns and all that. So I didn't have the, I didn't have the, I couldn't really afford to blow like what, like $60, $70. But then when they had their, PlayStation has their annual holiday sale and it was on sale for like, I think like 20 or $30, I jumped on it at that point. Yeah, yeah. And I, like, I dove into it. Like every time, um, you know, you could, you could ask my wife, like there was, I, I, there were, there were days when I'd be like playing like, four or five hours straight through at a time which is unusual for me as you know someone who maybe i'll play like an hour or two here or there a few times a week but it was like every single day i was sitting down to fire it up and even where it got to be this joke where we'd have my daughter with me and you know her my wife would say to her it's like oh it's daddy's murder time now and (laughs) my daughter would just be like staring at the screen (laughs) that's amazing (laughs) Mm. So, so for me, I was very impressed by this game, mostly because just how amazing it did look at that initial mm. trailer. And it wasn't until, honestly, the state of play, maybe around February or so, when I finally got the hook and was like, yeah, I'm all, I'm all in. Because I knew I was going to get this game. But I didn't mm-hmm. know how much I was going to invest in it until I saw that state of play little mm-hmm. sizzle reel of what the game is and things like that. And that's when they showed the collector's edition. I bought the hell out of the collector's edition. I got Jin Sakai's The Ghost Mask just staring at me right on my computer. It scares the bejesus oh, nice. out of my parents when they walk into the room because it's just <laughs> it's in the corner of the room with lit, minimal lighting so you just see this demon oni mask <laughs> <laughs> so yeah they they've gotten some uh lovely jump scares from that <laughs> from time to time ever since <laughs> this game got released so i i've been loving this game I, this was one of the games that i kind of went back to platinum so i platinum this game and it's a fairly easy mm-hmm. platinum if you kind of just play the game how is it it's intended it's a very easy platinum. Now, now I won't get it because they implemented that multiplayer mode in the new game plus stuff. But uh, I'll go back to it eventually because it, it looks fantastic on the PS5. That's why. So w- one of the things is I was impressed by this game just from the opening. That title crawl opening when it, it includes the invasion of the Mongols during uh, 1274. Yeah. And... It's basically when the Mongols first came to Tsushima, and Tsushima was the first line of defense before they hit the the mainland of Japan. 
And when you see the first battle of, I believe it's Adachi, the Lord Adachi. Mm-hmm. I think it's a Masako's husband. Her, her husband. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, her, her husband. So when you see him, he goes, you know, I am Lord Adachi. I am here to challenge you at, in a respectful battle. And just the Mongol, I believe his, what was his name? Kotal? Kotal? Kotan Khan? Kotan Khan. He just comes out, spits wine on him, lights him on fire, so disrespectfully. And that set the tone of, yeah, battling how the old samurai way, the Bushido Rei, is not going to handle this way. And just the mm-hmm. battle that comes out of that. And then when you have your horse and you run out to the fields and it just says sucker punch presents with that orchestra just rising and with ghost of Tsushima just just slowly coming in there i was hooked i was like hyped <laughs> i, I yeah. don't know about you but i was just all in on after that <laughs> oh totally like i was i was hooked even like just the the opening was was so amazing and and it's just such a it's such a cinematic game but it's but not like in the like we we're talking about with the the Metal Gear stuff. Not in the way that infringes on the gameplay. Like it doesn't sacrifice gameplay for the cinema quality, and that's one of the that's one of the best things about the game. I think. Yeah. No. Most definitely. Most definitely. And you know, you, you play as Jin Sakai, who is basically the nephew of. The Shimura clan, who is the head mm-hmm. lord of of Tsushima, and right. bas- basically his whole arc was was really interesting because he becomes so obedient to the Bushido way, and just seeing that an enemy doesn't fight fair, so should we also fight fair into this ghost tactic, so to speak? Or not the honorable way, so to speak, was just really simple to kind of s- straddle that line of like, well, should I do this way or should I keep to my old ways or should I adapt to these new ways for these new enemies kind of thing was really something very, very interesting and something that I absolutely loved as Jin as a character. Yes, same here. It, that was, it was such a really, it was, it was such a really good, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, just like the way they they portrayed that 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 battle that Jin kind of has um between like you know the the way he's been taught and versus like what has to be done because you see that in you know right from the beginning when he meets Yuna and he's you know he's like no we can't do that and and then when you come when we get Lord Shimoda back and and the way he's chastising um the way him and Jin are going back and forth about, you know, what it means. And you realize that and the the game does a really good job of saying that, well, you know what? Jin's not exactly wrong, but at the same time, you know, you are kind of being a, you are kind of pushing the line there a little bit. So it does, it puts you in a really interesting moral position as the player, I thought. Yeah. And I, I did like the fact that it had those flashbacks with mm-hmm. with you with Jin as a child with Shimura saying with Lord Shimura saying hey you know this is the honorable way to defeat an enemy you don't 
go behind his back. You don't kill him. And especially the part in Act 2 when you use the poison for the first time. That was, yeah, that was uh, that was really in my mind. Especially when, you know, he goes to um, his... Uh, I can't remember her name, but his, uh, his, his, oh, yeah, Yuriko, that was it. Yuriko. Um, and, you know, and he's asking her, you know, is it possible to, you know, use the, that poison used for rats? Is it possible to use that poison on a man? And, like, just, like, her, her reaction to that and just, like, the way he, she kind of resigns herself and you almost feel bad for the fact that, even though you don't have any control over because it's part of the story, you, you almost feel kind of bad for putting her in that position. They did a really yeah. good job on that, I thought. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, I guess speaking on like side characters here, which, which one was your favorite? There was there was a couple of to go around here. So first we got your your right hand man, <laughs> your your so called best friend Ryuzo. Mm-hmm. Which is, he's been amazing. I liked his character arc as well. You got Taka, mm-hmm. who is another good friend of yours and is your quote-unquote good friend, uh, if you looked at the, the the trophy list for that. You got mm-hmm. Masako Adachi, as we alluded to earlier, who is the wife of the the first soldier that gets killed. Right. You got uh, Ishihara, Ishihara Sensei as well. Ishikawa. Ishikawa, I'm so sorry. <laughs> Ishikawa Sensei yeah. and his his arc was really really well done. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, and also there's a there, Kenji the the con artist and the the sake brewer the and sake um, brewer. and also uh, Norio the the warrior monk the more warrior monk and then finally Yuna and then Yuriko also as well. Yeah, yeah, as we mentioned. I was surprised, actually, how much that um, I felt for... I, I was surprised, actually, how, how moved I was by, by Taka's death. Um, like I, Because yeah. he didn't... It, I don't know what it is, but he didn't really stand out to me as anything impressive character-wise, but they did a really good job of making you... And maybe that's that's kind of the point, is that you know Jin doesn't really quite realize how much this guy means to him until after he dies. And I thought, because I, I kind of felt the same way. Like, I didn't really expect to care that much when when Taka died, but I was surprised at how much, like, I felt bad for that about that. Yeah, no, same, same. Like, the reality of his death kind of shook me because I was like, oh, my goodness, that means none of these mm-hmm. guys are safe. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um... I thought, you know, I think one of the problems I had with Masako and Ishikawa is that a lot of the missions, it's just their story was kind of padded out to add more missions, I felt. Yeah, yeah, no, I, I, I feel the same. And they both kind of rely on a crux, which is mm-hmm. revenge. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And that that's one thing that I did, did really didn't like. I really, really did not like... Ishikawa sensei especially after like oh you know you you kill Tomoe which is like his off his I guess pupil that ended up becoming bad and teaching the the Mongols how to do Japanese style bow and arrow and basically Kudo yeah Kudo and basically use it against their own people kind of thing Mm -hmm. and I, I really had a hard time trying to finish Ishikawa's story because i was like i'm kind of getting padded out here with 
with his one as well. And then for Adachi, uh, um, Lady Lady Adachi's one, the only one that I was like really taken back by was you find out that she was possibly gay. <laughs> yeah, that, I was going to mention that too. The there was that that subplot with her. Um the servant or the the handmaiden or whatever it was and you find out that they kind of had a relationship going on and i thought that that was that was really interesting to me i also kind of got the same sense of that with yudiko and jin's father yeah right yeah there was yeah there was a because that conversation like when she's kind of like she has kind of like a form of Alzheimer's in a way, I guess is the closest thing you could say. Where yeah. like she thinks she thinks she's talking to Jin's father when she's talking to Jin right before she dies. And just like the way she talks. And I do like how the game doesn't hit you over the head with this stuff, right? It, yeah, it does it doesn't come right out and say it, but it does leave you these hints that, okay, so this is what these characters are really like. I I did uh I did like that aspect of it. I <laughs> I, I remember when my friend was playing through this part, I, t- I told him, go play through all of Yuriko's storyline in just one go if you can. Just just do it all in one go because I think it's it's really important to find out about his family and how he was raised and things like that. And so I watched him in real time play this part. And then <laughs> when he finds out about, you know, you know the hot spring that that me and you spent mm-hmm. together and that night was an unforgettable night just his look of disgust like yeah <laughs> i was like laughing so hard. i was just laughing so hard when i saw that and i was like yeah no it's uh, pretty interesting right <laughs> that was a really good um that was a really good thing the way that they did that is i thought they did that really well and i, I did the same thing too where i just kind of play and the game makes it very easy for you to play it all in one go because it doesn't with most of these missions like you know it moves the the next waypoint around like a different part of the map so it's like okay well i'm gonna go do something else now i don't want to ride you know all the way up to to that part of the map yet when i still got so much other stuff to do but you to go stuff it makes it really easy to do it all in one go because it's all in the same area yeah yeah and so yeah i did that i'm just like okay well might as well just she's right here i might as well just keep playing through it yeah no it, it... <laughs> Um, but yeah, I, I did like that. I did like parts of Masako's story. I do agree with you. Ishikawa definitely could have been cut down a little bit and it definitely kind of got it. It it was kind of grating after a while. It it became kind of a slog. Um, but I think maybe, uh, Yuna was a really good character, even though again, she had some parts where it kind of became a bit of a slog, but mostly I thought she was a really well-drawn character and, did a really good job of illustrating kind of what the the peasant classes had to go through what life was like and like the whole everything she had to do growing up that you kind of hear about and i really felt for her in that yeah no you know was probably one of my favorite characters and i kind of going into a little bit of for the talk down the line here i wouldn't mind having the next game be her so to speak. yeah that would be interesting yeah because she could possibly go to the mainland and things like that and have mm-hmm. Jin stay on Tsushima and things like that and she can be the mm-hmm. next iteration of the ghost so to speak yeah so I, I really liked Yuna as a character just her storyline and basically oh I'm going to get my brother Taka out of here out of 
out of Tsushima and go to the mainland and just how well her struggle and pretty much what happened after Taka's death while well, I'm here mm-hmm. to you for till the end Jin kind of thing <laughs> was mm-hmm. really really good yeah I wasn't sure how things would play out with her at the end like after Taka died um but I I did they it overall it was it they didn't go the the route I expected which I'm glad for where because I expected when Taka died, I'm like, oh crap! Now Yuna's going to become like uh, like an enemy or an antagonist or something like that. So I'm really glad they didn't that they showed that you know she does have an understanding that you know even though um, Taka died trying to follow Jin's example, it's not really Jin's not really responsible for it. And I thought that was a it was a very mature way they handled her story. Yeah, I thought she was ending up to become Ryuzo to be that second to the last fight so to speak (laughs) yes yeah that's what i thought they were they were gonna do as well so i'm glad they didn't go down that route thank god they didn't do that (laughs) so speaking of ryuzo how did you like him as like your first major secondary antagonist he was interesting again that was another aspect that i it really kind of shows you what reality was like for people who weren't at the top and it does kind of show you like the the advantages that Jin had uh, because of his privilege growing up and, and just like the, the whole problem with the, the Ronin in general was that, you know, you have these, these, these samurai, that's all they know how to do. And then when their master dies, they just get thrown out and cast away. And it's like, well, what else are we going to do now? All we know how to do is to, is to kill with swords. (laughs) And so I thought they did a really good job of kind of shining a light on, what the reality was for for Ronan, and um, I know you said we were talking about this later, but there's also there is this issue when you look at a lot of the the samurai movies and TV shows and stuff, and the the romanticism uh, of the samurai, and the game does that in a certain extent, but it also does give you little bits of the um, of the reality of what what things was was like. So I did like that they tried to work in that reality. To kind of disrupt the fantasy when when they could find time to do it. Yeah, so if like Ryuzo being you know that your childhood friend and basically he he has to do what he has to survive, and that when the Khan put a, a bounty on Jin's head, he was quick to take it because he wants his men to respect him and to have food and be able to live compared to well. I, I did like his reasoning. His reasoning was very sound, saying that, well, if I was to become a samurai under Lord Shimura, I'm just going to be used as a pawn and sent to die like you guys were at that first battle of the beach. Exactly, yeah. So I, I really did like Ryuzo as a character. I had wished that just, just a bit, he was a little bit strung out for at least the third act, but him having his defining hero act at the second act was really nice and just Mm -hmm. gives a dovetail into his storyline yeah yeah i thought so as well um he was definitely uh, he was definitely one of the better characters in the game and it was nice to see the the kind of conflict he had you know with because you you do have this kind of sense where you can i think they they in some ways they did a good job of showing like why some of these people did side with the mongols because there is this um, 
there was this issue where it's like, well, you know what? It's it's the it's the samurai class or it's the Mongols. You know, either way, we're still going to be peasants. So what what the hell do we care? Why should we have to you know throw down our lives or anything like that? And I did kind of like those that they were bringing up those things and throwing those things in the game. Yeah, yeah. Um, I I totally forgot to mention this, but uh, before we even did our talk here, obviously. This game was available in multiple languages, in English mm-hmm. and then Japanese. I will assume that you played it in Japanese as well, or did you play oh, yeah. it with English? The English version. No, I played. I played it. I played it in Japanese with the English subtitles because it's. I mean, it's 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 like a samurai movie. You're you're in an immersive samurai movie, so you want to you want to experience it like you would like a. You don't want to watch a, a Kurosawa film with an English dub. You want to watch it with the subtitles. You yeah. want to experience the the actual voice, the actual the real characters, uh, the real actors' voices. And it's I felt the same way going into this game too. What's What's really funny is because we did that. Did you see the notice of reverse samurai dubbing there, where the the mocap for the animations for the speaking roles was done in English? And oh, really? It wasn't, oh, it, okay. It wasn't matching certain parts of the Japanese speak. Yeah, I did notice that at times. I didn't. Re- I didn't know that was the reason why, though. I thought it was just like some some glitch in the in the graphics or something. That's uh, interesting. <laughs> yeah, so that was that was a majority of the reason. So like, all the all all the cinematic and all the speaking roles that you see the people's mouths moves, they were saying it in English, but because the game was dubbed in Japanese, it has the reverse mm-hmm. samurai cinema thing. <laughs> That's so. really interesting. Yeah, and you know, it's funny too because. Of just that this is not um, because my wife was asking me was like was this originally a Japanese game and I'm like no this this was it was made in America and she was just like blown away by that yeah yeah what's what's very interesting so like the the Japanese voice actor that they got for Jin he's really well known his name is Kazuya Nakai he's mm-hmm. known as the swordsman or he's known for voicing the swordsman. Rorona Zoro in the One Piece anime series. Yeah, I'm looking him up now. He was also in uh, Mugen and Samurai Champloo. And um, I think uh, it was either him or um, Shimura that my wife noticed, recognized the voice. Uh, yeah, I mean, if they, if they were probably a One Piece fan for a majority of years, you could probably hear zoro's voice in there mm. <laughs> it, it's it's very interesting to kind of see it like that like oh yeah they kind of went all out to kind of get bigger names for the series yeah so. yeah but yeah i mean continuing on to some of the characters here uh you i believe the last couple people that we did mention is norio and i this was very new to me because i wasn't known to the aspect of warrior monks before this game so just seeing him with like this huge huge spear like weaponry was just it it really impressed me very much so i know a little bit about that just like kind of like not not in depth or anything but i'd kind of known like the concept of the warrior monk and that kind of thing um but i didn't really know a whole a whole lot of it so um but so yeah, he was a really cool. Uh, he was a really interesting character as well. Although he didn't really stand out in any particular way. Like he wasn't as 
you know, whereas Masako and Ishikawa, where they they're, they kind of stood out because their missions kind of dragged on, or Yuna, who stood out just because she was such a good character, Norio didn't really stand out at all that much for me. He was just kind of yeah. there. Yeah, same. Like, a lot of his missions were just take the temple. Yeah, kinda, yeah. Kind of kind of missions and basically relying on your stealth ways. And, yeah, that, that was one thing for me, like... Well, one of the the tragic things is like I wish Nodio was there in the beginning compared to the second act to at least get a little bit more familiarized because by the time I was already in the game I was I was so I I completed everything from that first act like yeah. every every little nook and cranny got all the all the foxes and all that stuff. Yeah, and so introducing here. introducing a new character like this, and I'm like, I, I I don't know how to feel, kind of thing. No, I kind of felt the same way, and I'm just like, oh, this guy's back again. He's he's a he's becoming a main character now. Okay, I I just thought he was just kind of like just a like the character we thing. Yeah, exactly. So I was kind of surprised when he kept popping up, and I'm like, oh oh yeah, that guy, that guy. <laughs> yeah, uh, so that that that's one thing for me. I know his importance to the overall story and things like that but mm-hmm. just just one thing i wish that he was there in the beginning as well just to kind of familiarize yourself because that's another thing too act one is kind of a long act to go into before you go into act two mm-hmm. and it kind of just barrels down after that once you kind of get everything down yeah i was kind of surprised at just like how quickly the game moves after act one and which i'm, I'm actually kind of grateful for because Especially because I had played um, Assassin's Creed Origins, I think was the game I played. Be- I finished before playing this one, and just like that game dragged because there was so <laughs> much. It was. I appreciate that they give you this massive map, and it does look this. It does look beautiful, but there's just like so much pointless crap in there, and it's just like yeah. <laughs> it just there's a it it just eventually it just come becomes like you know what oh okay you got to do this and it's like there's. All these, all these quests and side missions, they just, it just becomes more and more of the same. And it just becomes, you know, I, I just skipped, like, after a certain point, I just, like, you know what, screw it, and I just stuck with the main story. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no. Um, I, I, but I didn't feel that way with this. Like, this game, it was, it, it, it had a, it had a good through line through the story. It moved at a pretty quick pace. It doesn't waste your time. And the side quests are, for the most part, actually interesting. Yeah, yeah. That, that's one thing. So, obviously, another character that we have to talk about is Lord Shimura. And mm-hmm. I'm, I'm going to skip to the end here. And, uh, obviously, if you've been here so long, this is a spoiler cast, so I'm going to talk about the <laughs> end here. Did you kill him? Yes, I did. Okay. How about you? I didn't kill him. Okay. Basically, I said, I'm defying my old ways already, so I'm not going to grant you dishonorable death. I'm going to make you live and make you see how I can make my own way or Jin can make his own way being the ghost, so to speak. Mm-hmm. I killed him because I felt that it was it was a good way to show that, look, I know I've I've you know kind of gone against the samurai tradition, but it it was kind of 
what's a good way to say it? I mean, I, I kind of like the idea of him letting Shimoda die the way Shimoda lived, like adhere strictly adhering to, to the Bushido to code the and all that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, so I, that's why I, I I ended up letting killing him. Yeah. So it'll be very interesting because obviously they are going to make a sequel. We just don't know what it is. I I would like to see a sequel, but if they do, ha- has that been has that been announced? No, no, they have not oh, okay. announced it. But Sucker Punch has not announced any new games for for this generation for for the foreseeable. I would assume if they do make a sequel, I would want to see which ending they make canon. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know what so. they. They might make it kind of vague enough where if they they either don't mention it at all, yeah, like maybe he he leaves Tsushima or something like that, or or he um or they they do have like you know some slight differences in dialogue depending on what your save game was. Yeah, because I know um you know kind of like how how Mass Effect how the the changes you the choices you made in each game carried over to the next one. They might yeah. do something like that. And it's not like that's a really big change that have to do a lot of different type of stuff with. So I think they could. I think it would be like if they do do a sequel and they do reference um, Shimoda. I think it would either be. I think either way, Shimoda will be dead in the game. But it's kind of a question of did Jin kill him or did he die by some other means? Yeah, yeah. I think that that's probably how they would do it. Yes. So how did how did you like? Shimura overall. I mean, there's... I don't think I had really strong feelings about him one way or the other. He had a very specific role to play in the game, and I did feel that he was a bit naive, I guess is the right word, or or stubborn, depending on how you want to look at it. Um, (laughs) But, but, you know, he's... I understand where he was coming from. Um... I did think he kind of overreacted a bit when he, you know, exiled Jin, but but overall like I didn't have any real strong feelings about him. Yeah. Yeah, I Shimura was a little bit much for me, <laughs> especially near that that second act <laughs> where like I okay. mean, I think I I think it's just because I I've seen so many samurai films that I kind of understood where he was coming from and I kind of and Especially because we had, um, because Jin in the beginning was kind of annoying me a little bit with his whole, oh, we can't violate the samurai code. But yeah. then, so when he kind of goes down that path of, you know, you know, the ends justifying the means, I did under, it It was nice, I felt, to have uh, Shimoda as that counterpoint. Yeah, 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 yeah. So yeah, and he he fit that you know that old samurai um, archetype. So I thought I was totally fine with it. Yeah. So like, when when you do do the Shimura Castle, the the end of Act Two, I did like that point. It's like saying, hey, you know, I'm gonna have you be my son, and we'll have ride together, and you'll be actually have a lineage kind of thing. I really like that that point, and then just to be like. Nah, you, you you did too much, man. <laughs> kind of thing. I was really, I was really pissed. <laughs> I was that's really fair. Mad. Yeah. <laughs> that's that's definitely a fair criticism. So, obviously, I haven't talked about another character here, and that is your horse. <laughs> mm-hmm. So, how bummed were you about your first horse? 
I was I was really disappointed. I was surprised. I'm like, you killed Kage? What the hell? <laughs> so you called him Kage. So I called my I called him Boo. <laughs> okay, yeah. I called him Kage, and uh, I think the the second one, I think I called him Kaze. You know, win. Yeah, yeah. So, um, <laughs> I was, but yeah, I was, I, was, I, I was pissed. I was pissed. I was I was really mad. I was like, you know. <laughs> With Taka, I was like, uh, you know, it's fine. I'm not too sad. But when my horse died, I was pissed. I was so mad. I was like, curse you, curse you, sucker punch. Why do you got to do this to me? I think yeah. I said like, like I, sh- I shed that one Indian Indian tear. When, well, when especially they had the, because um, uh, they kept having the, the, the banners and they would say like, a new saddle is available for you now. I'm like, oh, fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> so what uh, so you did pick did you pick uh the stronger horse or did you pick the old dilapidated horse because apparently it was a hidden feature where that you can pick your your replacement horse that you rode out on the old kind of people mm-hmm. one you could pick him still and be like ah, i guess you're 2.0 but you're not as not as uh strong as the other two options kind of thing no i got the um um what was it the the deluxe edition? So they had yeah. that custom horse in it. So that's the one I used. Uh, I see. So like for 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 me, so I I chose the 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 newer one, and apparently like apparently Sucker Punch has the data on that, and they said yeah, only like one percent or two percent of of people or players chose the old dilapidated horse. Mm-hmm. Compared to everyone else who chose the newer horse, or they got a, like you said, the the DLC horse kind of thing, right? So, so, so it's pretty funny to see like that. I, I was pissed, especially you know, during before you get your 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 new horse, you don't call that old horse the 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 in between horse any names. You just say, "Come here," kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and just having your horse be named, especially like when. If you take over a base, he's like nudging you along. He plays tricks on on Jin and stuff like that. That 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 was really good development for a character, even though he had no speaking lines. Yeah, yeah. So I was hella pissed when, when he died. Oh yeah, totally. Same here. Same here. Yeah. So so overall, I guess let's kind of go into which which act was your favorite act of the game, so to speak. I don't think I have a favorite act. Um, I I thought it, it all. It, it's hard to separate them out because um, a lot of the stuff carries over. Like you know, you've got the continuing stories of the different side missions and all that. So um, yeah, I didn't really have one favorite over the other. Mm-hmm. Well, what about a specific like mission or quest or side quest and things like that? Did you really like? I did enjoy doing the. Um, the Mongol camp raids, or whenever, yes. or whenever you had, or when you had to liberate a town or a camp or anything like that. I, the, I think those were probably my favorite parts of the of the game. Yeah. Um, there was a very, um, there was a very Arkham quality to it. Like, and like, how, how did you usually handle those? Did you did you call them out and face them out directly, or did you use the more stealth a- approach? So it depend if I was cocky or not. <laughs> Most of the mm-hmm. time, I was like, ah, I just want to get this over with. So I, I did do the, the, the Samurai Showdown kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And 
by the time near the end of the game, you, especially with the ghost armor, you are, or I think the Sakai armor, you're able to do an extra kill with your showdown. Yeah, yeah, that was the, I believe that was the Sakai armor where you get, because um, you can get a max of, I think, three uh, standoffs. You yeah. can kill a max of three standoffs once you upgrade it fully. And then when you upgrade the... I believe it was the Sakai armor. When you upgraded that full, fully, you can get a total of five standoffs. Five or six. Yes, five or six. It, and basically, that's enough to handle a small camp. Yeah, or so, like which, the... Which... And definitely the... Whenever I ran into the, the Mongols on the on the side of the road or anything like that, I always did the standoff at those times. But the the camps I usually played played it I usually did the stealth mode for those. Oh okay okay. There was something so satisfying about I I kind of wish that there was like a a ninja costume at some point in the in the game that we knew. <laughs> yeah. But because I did I did have a lot of fun just like you know attacking en- enemies from above and like you know shooting them with arrows or or all that kind of stuff like it was. Um, it was like a much better version of, and I do like the Assassin's Creed games, but this felt like a this these this stealth assassination. It felt much more satisfying than in the yeah. Assassin's Creed games, especially modern Assassin's Creed. I think this is like what I wished Assassins ended up becoming. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that's a good re- point. I really liked the the ghost uh, the ghost way of taking them down and the I guess the closest way you'll get a ninja outfit is the the ghost armor as yeah, well. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I definitely wore the ghost armor a lot once I got yeah. that. Yeah. Yeah. No, and it looks it looks badass. It's probably one well, of I mean, my favorite sets overall too. The um the costume choices they give you in general are all awesome. And I love how easy it is to switch between them because I'd be you know, I'd use the traveler attire for most of the time because it lets you reveal more of the map. But whenever I'd get to like a, a standoff, I'd switch over to the the Sakai armor, and it's just like it's so easy to switch. Or when I go to a Mongol camp, I'd switch to first the the Ronin suit, and then later when you get it, the the ghost armor. And so it just the game makes it really easy to switch back and forth between those, and uh, and they give you so many different options. What with the the different hats and the different masks and. And the different the different sword kits too. Like I just loved all the the different combinations you could you had. Yeah. So what what was your favorite armor? I guess I should kind of go into there. What which one was your favorite? If you had a favorite, I used the Ronin armor a lot. That was like probably my favorite for most of the game. I used the Ronin armor with the um, the ashen straw hat, like the one that covers his whole head. I like that. That look was really really cool. I thought. Um, I had used the. When I got the blindfold, I used that a bunch, too. Yeah, yeah. Did kind of, like, do a Zatoichi thing with that. Um, yeah. And I, uh, although I was kind of bummed that you couldn't wear the blindfold with, like, a straw hat. Because I yeah, thought that yeah. would have looked really awesome. Um, the Sakai armor was, oh, you know what? It was the, um, what was that? That demon armor or whatever it was. The We have to hunt down the samurai who are, the five samurai who are coming to try to kill oh, you. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> The upgraded version of that with, like, the, the fur collar and all that, that was really mm. cool, I thought. That was probably... Design-wise, I think that was probably my favorite. As far as functionality, it was switching back and forth between the the ghost armor and the um, the Sakai armor. Yeah, so, overall, I loved the, the Sakai armor. It's probably one of my favorite sets. But, if I had to choose an absolute outfit 
to to stylize my Jin Sakai into this world, it has to be the 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 bath outfit. Oh, the one. With- <laughs> Along with the, 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 like, you, you had the ashen hat, the, the full mask. <laughs> so when I, I, played, uh, I, I played New Game Plus like that, and I just, like, I couldn't <laughs> take him seriously. <laughs> when I got that, um, um, when I got that, the loincloth one, I put that on, and my wife was watching me play, because, you know, she just got into watching the game, just because it's so cinematic. Yeah. And, and so I, I'd, be, I'd be playing when I got that. I put it on, and she's like, "What are you doing?" <laughs> it's <laughs> that's one of my favorite ones. I, I love it. I love it. Yeah. I remember, I when I got the platinum for the game because the last trophy I had to do was visit Taka's grave, visit mm-hmm. Taka's grave, and bow. Basically, that was my last one. So when I when I went to try to get the platinum, I made my outfit. Be him in the loincloth with the, the, the ashen hat on, and when he bowed, I angled the camera so that it pointed at him. And my my PS4 trophy image screenshot that it takes when you got the platinum was him bowing with the loincloth on. I just I was like, yeah, this this game is, is perfect. Um. That was another thing, too. Like, just all the little touches in it, like when you're riding through the long grass, and, like, Jin bends over to kind of feel the grass as he's as he's riding through. Yeah. And just, like, the little... And, like, you mentioned the bowing thing. That really kind of... Like, you had a button aspect that that could... A movement on the, on the pad where you could cause him to bow, or after a battle where you could flip the sword off his... Flip the blood off his sword. Yeah. Like, just yeah, those yeah. little touches were amazing. And also, the wind flute. <laughs> the wind flute yeah. button. Yeah. <laughs> I I remember I would try to access something that I accidentally pushed, I believe, down was when you activated the wind flute. So he'd be riding, then all of a sudden he would slow to a crawl, play the wind flute, and I was like, no, 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 stop. I also like the um the way they did the the waypoints on it, because it's oh, not yeah. like where in most games, you know, you've got the waypoint, it's always on the screen. But this way where it's just you just flick and then the, you follow the direction the wind's blowing, it was just it's not something I never really realized um, in other games, like, but it was it was just so nice to just have that very unobtrusive way, and it just that that doesn't break the immersion at all. Yeah, no, I I did like how they implemented a a HUD aspect towards mm-hmm. this game by using nature and basically how, and they made it like a a more spiritual sense of like, yeah, the gods will tell me where to go. And right, this is the right. way kind of thing. And I really like that as well. It's probably one of my favorite aspects of, oh, not all games need a huge, huge HUD on the map kind of thing. <laughs> right, right. And well, also how they describe the map being hidden as being the fog of war. And you even see the fog as you're riding through. Like, I thought that was a really, a really good way of doing it, too. Yeah, yeah, most definitely, most definitely. But... Uh, going going back to like favorite like story I guess story beats I think is mm-hmm. probably what I would call it. I really like the the Yarikawa arc of the game because basically mm-hmm. it's this impenetrable fortress. You were uh, in in the game. Lord Shimura's enemies was originally the Yarikawa because they had an uprising and they quelled that, so they kind of still have a grudge against Lord Shimura. So, I really like the yeah. fact that 
basically you are going to try to recruit your former enemies to go the enemy of my enemy is my friend kind of thing yeah they did a really good job of handling the yarikawa stuff i was really intrigued by that and found myself wanting to know more about that story so like when you're yeah. talking about uh sequels like they might might not even do a sequel you could even do um a prequel like you know red dead redemption 2 was and in fact because yuriko makes that point of saying that um when you know jin says you know oh, my father and my my father would be disappointed in what i'm doing and yuriko makes that point of saying well not really he kind of understood that there were that there were uh mean you had that uh ends had to justify the means in some cases so it almost it does kind of leave the door open to do a prequel set during the Yarikawa stuff and where you could still have like the the ghost aspects but with Jin's father instead. Yeah, no, I I would actually kind of like that as well. So that that would be really really good and they wouldn't have to change much cuz they can just use the same map. So I mean Right, yeah. It, it if they were to do like you know how I I'm not too sure if you're kind of caught up with this. Um so what they do with the Spider-Man game for the PS4 game. Oh, yeah, Miles yeah. Mor- to Miles Morales. Basically, it is a 1.5 for the original game, Miles Morales is. But it still uses the regular map, and it progresses the story such well. And they didn't need much details. They only had to develop Miles as a character, so to speak. Yeah, and you know what? I was surprised because they, they when you compare... Right, but, and that surprised me too. Because when you compare that to Arkham Origins, right, which basically used the the same basic map as arkham city but then expanded it um and it felt like well-worn territory when you played arkham origins like kind of like oh there's nothing really different here it's just kind of more of the same but in i don't know maybe it's just because um the map was so amazing in um in the spider-man games or just like the the way of traversing it but whatever the reason like i it felt almost new in miles morales whereas in arkham origins it felt it felt like redundant yeah no i i I think also because the way that you're able to fast travel in miles morales it really does help and just how a much more different take of how he takes it traversing even though it's pretty much the same but his his style of traversing is very interesting compared to you're just playing as batman just one singular character, which kind of I I did really like. Yeah, I think it has. I think it has for me. I think it's definitely the traversal aspect, just because that game makes web slinging so much fun. Yeah. Um, and the the traversal aspects in Arkham Origins were not as well done. Yeah, same. Uh, like, oh man, I I would love to have you on to talk about Miles Morales sometime. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. I could, I mean, like one thing is. You know, because I'm such a huge comic book fan, like I am just a total whore for like all the superhero games. <laughs> yeah, no, I've I, I just I just finished Miles Morales. I just got the platinum as for that as well. Like I, I believe a couple days ago, so I, I would love to talk to you about that too eventually. Yeah, that 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 was a that game was so much fun. I love that game. Yeah, yeah, most definitely. But yeah, going back to to Ghost of Tsushima here. So how how did you like? the con as an overarching antagonist there i liked him a lot i really believe the scent i really when he kind of said that you know i do have this respect for for your culture and everything and and like i really 
believed him. Like, I thought they did a really good job of conveying that aspect. I really kind of, you know, he was a, he was a really uh, interesting antagonist, I thought. Yeah, so it, it's interesting that, so for your characters, uh, for, for Jin to face against the the Mongols, they would be speaking Mongolian speech, and they didn't translate that. I really like, kind of like that, in both ways, in both English and in Japanese, where mm-hmm. they didn't they didn't translate any of the, the Mongolian speak because obviously Jin as a character does not understand Mongolian. So, right. So I, I really like that aspect that they would imp- split up across all the enemies that they would be speaking broken Japanese along with Mongolians. So I really like that as well. Yeah. It was a, it was another aspect of, you know, just, you know, more of the, it was another aspect of how well they handled the immersion at what part of it. Yeah, yeah, most definitely. Most definitely. So, yeah. I guess kind of going on here towards the end, do you think that Ghost of Tsushima would warrant a, a sequel? And if if you would, if if it does, what would you like in that? Um, I Like I said, the, the idea of doing a prequel with Jin's father interests me. Um, but I also really like what you suggested about switching the story and doing something with Yuna instead and having that go in kind of a, a different direction. Uh, that, that would be really interesting as well. Um, I'm not sure how much more you could do with Jin, but you know what I really wanted to see, which I was kind of disappointed in when I, when I played the, cause they, when I heard about legends, the multiplayer, yeah, I got really excited and I get, and this is more on me than on the developers, but I was expecting something like the multiplayer in Red Dead Online, right? Where you've got, oh, um, where you can design kind of like your own samurai character and have them go out into the world. That's kind of what I was hoping for, and that's something I kind of would have liked to see. Yeah, no, no, I, I, I would love to kind of live in this world more so than how they did with the Legends stuff. Now, if you guys don't know, so Legends is more of, I guess, a Gears of War style of horde horde playthrough where yeah, you're just yeah. in, in in a area and you're basically taking on waves of waves of enemies or onis i believe that's what they were called in, in this yeah. one and no i i would like to see an online version of kind of like red dead redemption like you were saying where yeah you are a a a samurai just living in this this world and kind of trying to make your way Right, like you could choose like a different different classes of samurai. Like you could choose um, if you wanted to be like more of an archer, if you wanted to be a warrior monk, if you wanted to be a um, a retainer, if you wanted to be a ronin. All those kind of things I think would have been a lot more interesting as than the which the legend stuff. It's not bad. Don't get me wrong, and I like that yeah. they worked in Japanese folklore. But um, but I do think that more of the immersive, you know, MMO type of thing would have been more interesting. No. Maybe we can have that as the sequel. <laughs> I mean, that, that's what I mean. That's what I'm saying. Like that would be um, that would definitely be an interesting way to handle the sequel. Is just yeah, let people play in this world a little bit more. Yeah, no, no, I because I would love to I, design like um, you know, have like a character, especially just because I I love samurai movies. Like I would love to have a character that's you know modeled after say you know Lady Snowblood or um, uh, or uh, Sanjuro or, or something like those types of things. That would be a lot of fun. Yeah, no, most definitely. So, speaking of the the samurai cinema stuff, did you play the game at, at any point in time in the Kurosawa mode? 
Um, mostly I played it in the color mode just because it the graphics in this game are unbelievable and yeah. you kind of don't want to miss out on all the color. But there were a few times when I did switch to Kurosawa mode. And another thing that this game does great is it allows you to do that very easily from just pausing the game and switching over where a lot of times when you have like a, a special mode like that, you would only, if you start the game in that, you have to play the whole game that way. So yeah. I did like they don't that they let you switch back and forth between the two. So there were definite times when like I would have like a standoff match or a duel when I would switch to Kurosawa mode. Yeah, yeah, I I switched it on occasionally, especially when I was going to do the standoffs against yeah. the the Straw Hats. Yes, yeah. I I specifically played it like that. I was like, you know. Sucker Punch, they, they paid a lot of money just to get the, the rights for the name Kurosawa Mode, so... <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, another thing, and I didn't realize this because I haven't played it on uh, the Lethal Mode, but um, I'm not sure if you did, but I'm just reading about it, you know, preparing for this episode, where the Lethal Mode, it's not like other games where the characters just become harder to kill, but instead it's just much more realistic ways of sword fighting and so it's like if so like most fights would end in like one or two cuts yeah and so i thought that was a really i haven't tried it yet but because normally i'm not one for the the high difficulty modes like i said just because i'm much more of a casual gamer but that yeah. makes me want to go and try that yeah no 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 i I'll have to see if I can I try that on my PS5 playthrough because <laughs> maybe I'll, I'll I'll do that for my next new save here. <laughs> mm-hmm. So kind of going on like a little bit off the game here and talking about how this kind of game affected real life, so to speak. Mm-hmm. So I, I sent you an article or two about this, and basically the real life Toady Gate in in Tsushima, which is off. Off an island off of Japan, they needed restoration, and the fans of Ghost of Tsushima helped paid for it. I thought, yeah, that so, was um, that was really interesting. Um, I thought they they uh, that that was just it was such a really heartwarming story that they that they had paid to um, you know repair this this shrine that had been damaged. Yeah, and apparently they only needed five million in for their initial target to kind of be like, oh, yeah, we'll, we'll make it for that. But they amassed over $27 million. Mm-hmm. Just, yeah. just absolutely amazing. And th- thanks to that, it kind of led to the game developers' leads from Sucker Punch becoming ambassadors for Tsushima, yeah. which is really, really, really cool, I thought. Yeah, uh, Nate Fox and Jason Connell, they, they've been named as tourism ambassadors in um, this month, actually, is when that when it happened in March, and I yeah that was uh, that was really cool, and I think now they're even talking about setting up like Tsushima tours, like go Tsushima tours to like kind of show, and that's something that because it's not actually that far from where we live, it's up in uh, Nagasaki, I believe. So it's and we're we're down in we're down in Kagoshima, so it's not yeah. that far off from us. Um, so my wife and I we were talking about you know. You know, maybe when our when our daughter's a little bit older, we might want to go visit Nagasaki and check out um, uh, Tsushima. But no, yeah, no, I thought it was absolutely amazing how you know this one game really, really changed a lot of people's perspective towards the island. They want to be like, yeah, no, this this 
if it's a real place, we want to invest so much of it, so much mm-hmm. of our time and love towards it. I thought it was really, really cool and kind of was like, yeah, gaming can be kind of good, so to speak. <laughs> yeah. So fr- from that, uh, if there's any other things that you want to bring up before we head into a little bit of questions here. Well, there was one thing I noticed, and this was um, uh, Kazuma Hashimoto wrote in Polygon and that it's a well-intentioned homage to Kurosawa films, but that's also kind of like a, a it. Um, he said it, that it's kind of, and th- we can kind of do in this when we talk. To, I know at least one of the questions is going to touch on this kind of stuff, but there is this um, the issue of the the nationalist interpretation, which I did kind of feel like that at times playing the game, which kind of yeah. like you know living in Japan and knowing about how much of a problem you know nationalism is in Japanese politics, that did kind of you know make me skittish at some point, but. <laughs> yeah. um, but it it's well intentioned because and I don't think that obviously the creators didn't have any intention of it because they're not they they were just they were really just trying to make a an homage to the the Kurosawa film so I un, so I I understand that and I and I love the game either way but I do think uh, Hashimoto makes a really good point in this article and so if anyone wants to look it up it's it's a whole essay he wrote uh he wrote it for polygon and it, the essay is titled ghost of tsushima kurosawa and the political myth of the samurai so definitely check that out it's a really fascinating read especially if you're list, interested in more of the the nuances of of samurai history yes 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 most definitely so going on from that i just have a few questions here from our our podcast potasaurus their question space here so a couple from barry is so we, we got kind of already talked about this but I'll, I'll just kind of reiterate here so we both played it in japanese he asked if we played mm-hmm. in japanese or english and then who was our favorite side character so uh, i i kind of didn't narrow that down for for you <laughs> which one was your favorite side character overall oh i think overall it would probably be yuna i think yeah she's yeah. probably i think yeah definitely yuna yeah so for me that that is really really difficult. I would want to say Yuna, just because of just how much character development she got. Mm-hmm. But I also really did like um, Lady Masako as well, Lady Adachi. So yeah. especially even though her 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 quests were a little bit long and out of the way, just a lot of the the final pieces of that was really really good. I really liked it. Yeah, so, yeah. I mean, she she was she was definitely an interesting character. Yeah. So, like, for, for me, it would have to be Lady Adachi then. And then we we talked about this. What choice did you make at the end? So, mm-hmm. I, I I let him live. You killed him, um, Uncle Shimura. There. <laughs> <laughs> did did you guys cheese the game by using arrows and stealth sec in um, stealth sections, or actually tried to use the different tools and armors and abilities? So. When I did any stealth, I only used arrows when I needed to use arrows. So, like, against the, the hawks, the, the mm-hmm. falcons, and then, obviously, the guys that were perched on the the towers. Everyone else, I stealthily got rid of them. I I, I varied back and forth. Like, there were some times when I felt more like using the arrows. Um, but there were other times when I wanted to get up close and personal just because the it's so satisfying to, like attack from above and like doing yeah. the the chain assassination type stuff 
Um, I also use the the different poison darts. Like I love using the hallucinogen dart a lot. So oh, I use. Yeah. <laughs> Um, I did use that to clear out some of the the bigger ones, but there were also times when I would just, you know, kind of. That was one thing I, I did because I remember in um, in the Arkham games that I one of the things one of my favorite things to do in a in the stealth maps was leaving one guy and just fucking with him and just <laughs> and just letting him freak out. So I was kind of disappointed that you didn't really have that option here because they don't. Oh. Because they don't really react to the fact that there's only one guy left. Whereas in, in the Arkham games, especially Arkham Knight was so much fun when the Arkham Knight would come on the radio and be like, okay, it's just one guy left. Get rid of him already. <laughs> yeah, no, I've... So I, I did like doing the the attack from above. One of my favorite things was the, the, the ghost strike or whatever. Um, you just zoom by them. With the, the the slashing, which was really, really oh nice. yeah 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 I had done that a few times, um, so, yeah I, I did like that that when you can build up the the fear and you can go into the ghost mode I did do that yeah. a few times that was that was a yeah. lot of fun <laughs> yeah so th- there's that and then obviously I did like using the smoke bombs and then doing chain assassinations whenever yes, I did that, I did that, that a few times um, <laughs> I did like using the firecrackers to lure a bunch and then doing the chain assassinations that was one of my that was one of my go tos. Yeah, so and then we talked about this. What was your favorite base armor and armor combinations if if you did mix it up so to speak? So like my favorite outfit would be the <laughs> the the bath outfit. <laughs> the loin, yeah. the I did off. I mean I did like um there were some that I didn't use at all. Like I never really used the um the archer outfit. Um but I did uh my go to's were usually for most of the game, it was switching back and forth between the Ronin and the the Traveler's outfit, and the Traveler's yeah. outfit was even just was more just for the the clearing the map aspect of it. Um, but but as we got on, like the that the demon outfit was definitely my favorite design. Yeah. So continuing on, what horse did you choose, and what did you name name them <laughs> name both so, of them? So yeah. So yeah. So we we talked about that. Yeah, I did the I did the 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 deluxe bonus horse or whatever it's called and yeah. it was kage shadow at first and then kaze wind at the end so i had i had nobu first and then i had kage i had a, I had a white noble horse because i was like yes this is my horse he's gonna carry me on through the game and then they took that from me i was i was really pissed <laughs> and then i was like you know what i'm gonna embrace the ghost style so i picked a black a darker horse and i named the cat a kage so and so lastly from from barry here do you think that sucker punch managed to do a well historical fiction game with all the accuracy and inaccuracies to keep doing stuff like it or would you rather they go back to an original story and setting and stuff so they're comparing this game compared to their other prior games such as Infamous, I, I don't know if you played Infamous. It is a superhero game in sort. Yeah, yeah, I played. Um, yeah, I played Infamous. Um, um, and I was kind of surprised because I didn't realize it was the the same studio at first. So it was because I've been wondering why we never got um another Infamous game. So I'm like, because I I really I had a lot of fun playing that game. Um, yeah, yeah, I loved Second Son especially. That that mm-hmm. was really my jam here. As much as I love Cole. <laughs> yeah but. so um i really liked i really liked the infamous games um but i mean being a fan of japanese of samurai cinema and this was just 
this was just such a love letter to those things. Now, as far as the, I don't know much about the historical accuracy of the of the game. I don't know much about the um, the Mongol invasion. Um, but I think maybe, if anything, I'd like to see something that kind of what Legends does, but more of in a single-player mode, where it does kind of have, like, more of the fantasy elements, the samurai fantasy type stuff, I think would be would be really cool. Mm-mm-mm. Yeah, so, uh, obviously, I would want to see them try to do a different era, era of Japan with historical fiction. Mm. As much as I love their original stories and stuff with with infamous and sly cooper and stuff like this i i think kind of having that lovely bridge of oh were these characters kind of real and in this in this era i it really intrigues me so that 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 it intrigues a lot of people especially if they don't know the history like a lot of people Mm -hmm. like dynasty warriors because and the three kingdoms era even though like uh, 95% of that entire story is fiction <laughs> just right. having the characters names just being very interested in chinese chinese history and literature and stuff like that so a lot of people grab onto that so i i would like them to continue to do another historical mm. fiction kind of game i mean i just like for the, their next game. i like playing the idea the concept of the samurai and um you know, not only like a fantasy type thing, but and I was just remembering the that they're doing a sequel to the the US forty seven Ronin, but they're setting it in the future and they're making it a cyberpunk film. I would love to play like a cyberpunk samurai game. I think that would be oh a lot my of fun. <laughs> yeah. And and especially because Cyberpunk twenty seventy seven failed so hard, I think a lot of people would like a more back to form kind of cyberpunk kind of style yeah i mean i i i'm i'm working my way through cyberpunk i i don't hate it like so many other people do although they do have a lot of valid criticism i haven't had as many problems as other people have had but yeah even still even without all the the glitches and stuff it is kind overall kind of a disappointing game yeah so i would like to see yeah i would like to see like um just because Sucker Punch did such an amazing job with this, the infamous games were were so much fun. I would love to see them tackle like some sort of cyberpunk type thing with like a samurai type character. I think that would be awesome. Awesome, yeah. No, I think that would be very very interesting as well. But yeah, and then to our last question from a good friend of ours, Alabama Tofu, and he asked if we could dive into some of the itch issues of feudal samuraism and how they've been kind of glorified by the media here i I believe this question is geared towards you mostly so how do you feel about these kind of issues i think it's a really good i think it's a really good topic to explore because the um because and i've talked about this a few times when with some of the movies i've talked about is that the you know the samurai weren't the the selfless heroes that you know, the media often portrays them to be. And when you look at some of the, there were some samurai films like Yojimbo did this to a certain extent. Uh, uh, Kitano's uh, version of Zatoichi to a certain extent. Um, Lady Snowblood as well had like a lot of this kind of criticism of it. And it's, and uh, the Twilight Samurai as well. But, you know, I mean, the, the samurai weren't, you know, this, like if you look at something like the last samurai or something like that where it's like oh with their mm. their protectors of the people they're they're uh. <laughs> they're de- and all this kind of stuff like it's a lot of that is you know total bullshit <laughs> like they were yeah 
I mean, you know, and there is an issue with um, playing up the... It does play a lot into a lot of nationalist narratives. Like, you see the the LDP, the, the nationalist ruling party, unfortunately, in Japan. They they rely a lot on those types of things. The Yakuza, too. They, you know, they kind of, like, style themselves as, like, modern-day samurai. So there's, there's a lot of problematic history with the samurai. And... Um, on the one hand, I, I I love playing a game like this. That, but on the other hand, I did find myself rolling my eyes when Jin's like, "Oh, I'm fighting for the people." I'm like, "Yeah." <laughs> <laughs> um. So yeah, that is. It's tough because I do enjoy these movies. I do enjoy these stories, which I think is probably why I'd enjoy them more if you take them in take them out of the historical setting and put them in more of like a kind of fantasy environment if you're going to go that route um so yeah it's it very good points i think and it's 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 a thorny issue to be sure um and again i recommend people read hashimoto's essay that i mentioned before on polygon because he did a really good job of kind of breaking this down i mean you know you always have these issues when you're talking about you know any sort of game or story that's using historical type settings like you know for example the westerns um or uh, like we were talking about red dead redemption or if you're looking at you know world war ii games or any type of military style game where you're always going to have those issues basically so i don't know if there's a there's a completely there's a there's i'm always going to have conflicting opinions on it i think Mm-hmm. But in general, when I play a game like this, I do try to just kind of turn my brain off and 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 enjoy it. But I do also get the arguments that you know there there is kind of like this nationalist side that we're not really taking into account, and I understand that is an issue too. Yeah, yeah, most most definitely. But yeah, with that, I, I kind of want to thank you, Barry, for kind of going on. On this podcast, this is the the second podcast that we've done outside of of Japan on film. So, I, I would love to have you on for another another talk like this. We we do occasionally do talks about a basic game like this occasionally on this podcast. So I'd like to have you on a little bit more, especially for for Spider Man, obviously, and then uh, uh, maybe another game down the line. Oh, totally! I'd to- definitely be up for that. And so with that, where can we find you on um, the lovely socials? So if you want to know more about Japanese film, uh, japanonfilm.com is the podcast. Uh, also, superherocinephiles.com is my superhero movie podcast that I do with Derek Ferguson. If you're interested in any of my books, uh, I do have um, actually a cyberpunk uh, samurai type book out there. It's called uh, Ronin Born and... You can find links to all that, all my other books, urban fantasy, science fiction, superhero, mystery, all that kind of stuff. My my own author website is percivalconstantine.com. Awesome, awesome. But yeah, and if you want to hear me talk about films, I believe I was on your Death Note film or your Death Note episode and the Final Fantasy VII Evan Children episode. Yes. So. Yeah. Yeah, so once again, I want to say thank you so much for joining me on Potosaurus here. You can find me 
on the Twitters at OTYKEN1. And you can also check out the podcast where I talk about the Japanese music industry called Ongaku to You. You can find it at all the lovely social medias on Twitter and Instagram. And you can follow the site where I talk about the Japanese music industry called ongakuryu.com. But yeah, once again, Perry, I want to say thank you so much for joining me on our lovely spoiler cast about Ghost of Tsushima. Thank you. I can't wait to do another episode with you for the Dunaline, either on here, on Gakuryu, or on Japan on film. Yeah, anytime. Just let me know and um, we'll work something out. Yeah, most definitely. But yeah, I want to say thank you once again for listening. I'm your host, Ken, saying thank you very much and have a great day. Mahalos.